welcome to the 20 Minutes of Filler podcast, proud members of the Dice Tower Network. We're here with episode 15, Discovering Games. And I am Jason Gatarski. I'm Andy Lennox. Awesome. Well, we're so glad to have you with us again. Um, we, we're, we're the podcast that talks about those great little games that that fill your time and empty your wallet. And I like that. Filling your time and emptying your wallet. <laughs> One game at a time. So, yeah. So, we're here uh, to talk about a couple game recommendations. Before that, we have kind of a feature. Uh, so, yeah, something weird happened to me at my last Monday night. I have a Monday night gaming thing that I do. You showed up with and, a, and you were naked. You forgot <laughs> to get dressed. Was it that kind that of weird? Was, and then I woke up and then <laughs> and then I actually went there. And uh my I I bring a lot of games to this to this board game group and um I'm the one I'm like everybody every group kinda has that person that buys all the games and I have become the the guy who buys all the games. That's good. Uh a lot for this show. I justify it by saying, oh, I have a podcast. I have to buy a game so I can review them. But um, no, I just, you know, I'm crazy about games, so I buy lots of them. And I've been bringing them to Monday Night Game Nights. And one of the guys at our Monday Night Game Night, Mike, shout out to Mike, <laughs> uh, asked me, like, where do you find out about all these weird games? Uh, I brought Rise of Augustus. Did we talk about Rise of Augustus on We did, because we talked about the Spill of Jar winners. Yeah, yep. so I brought Rise of Augustus, and he was like, I love this game, and immediately bought it. And then I brought one of the games we're going to review later on this show, and he was like, I love this game, I'm going to buy this too. And then he played the um, the game we reviewed last week, Splendor, and he was like, oh, I love this game, I'm going to buy it too. So I'm slowly draining all my friends' pockets <laughs> And he and he asked well, they could me just play your copies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like when he asked me like how do you find out about all these games? And I and I thought I don't know, I just there's so many I didn't really think about it. I just I just thought there's so many games that I want. There's so many games I know about. I just when I want to buy a game, I just go to the giant list of things that I want and pick one and buy it. I don't I don't feel like I find out about these games at all and then i started thinking about it a little bit more i was like well you know i don't i wasn't imbued with the knowledge of yeah. board games it's taken birth. years of, <laughs> of crawling down the rabbit hole to to get to where you just like know yeah. what you need so we are going to help you figure out how to become overly obs- how to get in <laughs> over your head I in board it. gaming <laughs> Awesome. Discovering games or getting over your head, episode 15. <laughs> a primer on spending too much money. <laughs> awesome. So, well, here's here's the, you know, we mentioned last week one of the things that got me into it. And one of, you know, our big announcement was that we were part of the Dice Tower Network, uh, a network of podcasts that just share about games. So I find some, some videos online, some guys reviewing games, and listen to these podcasts, and I'm learning a whole lot about the hobby. The hobby. So that's, that was one of the ways that got me into it. But then shortly after that, it was the big dog. I went to BoardGameGeek.com. Yeah, I went to BoardGameGeek.com shortly after listening to some podcasts, and they mentioned it. And I was immediately scared off. <laughs> I am. It is. It is somewhat of an impenetrable website. If you are not, if you're not willing to spend some time to familiar to familiarize yourself with the interface, 
it can be overwhelming. This is a giant database of information. It's like every game that has ever been made with uh, pictures and reviews and designer credits and publisher credits, number of players, mechanics that make that game work. All, all clickable categories that lead you to these different places. There's It's, it's a community-driven website, right? The content is just all a user-driven. Uh, so there's, there's game sessions and review sessions and uh, m- more than, you know, like... Wow, I mean, it it's a lot. It's it's a lot of stuff, but it, but it can be a really useful tool if you hang out long enough. Yeah. So, um, but you might not know what to do. But there's a cool search box. Type in the name of the game that you like. Just maybe follow some links down the rabbit hole and see where you end up. You know, just poke around. That's one of the best ways to to get used to Board Game Geek. You end up with a den full of 300 games piled up to the <laughs> ceiling. Is where you end up. Dude, be quiet. <laughs> Um, and and then before long you're calling it BGG. You know, it's not boardgamegeek.com. <laughs> so so from now on, when we say BGG, I feel I feel confident that our listeners are on the same page as us. Totally awesome. Okay. So what's another way that that you've kind of discovered games? Um, well, you're gonna watch a lot of videos and you're gonna on YouTube. So whenever I'm interested in um a game, I look it up on YouTube and see a review, but you all, you'll eventually start to learn which reviewers sort of match your tastes. Mm-hmm. And that's one way, that's one really good way of finding good game recommendations. Like, um, there's two main reviewers for like dice tower video reviewers that are like Tom Vassell and Ryan Metzler. And if Tom Vassell says it's good, I'll probably like it too. He tends to like, like the social, games he likes games with a lot of take that and i i sort of gravitate towards those as well so if if you can like watch enough of these videos to learn a reviewer then you can really lot like glom on to one person and say okay what what do they say is good next and maybe you find one that you you feel like they they're just the opposite like if they don't like a game then maybe you know you're gonna love it (laughs) (laughs) because your style is just the opposite yeah. No, I, I can't think of one specifically that really connects with me because I like I like some of that too, like uh, Tom, you know, like the social games, you know. But I don't like the the big, long, like intense, yeah, you know, games. So, and that's um, the but, thing. Like, if once you start to learn how some of these people rate the games, like Ryan Metzler, for example, he's way more into like heavy Euro games that are really complicated, and like I like those games a lot, but I also don't tend to like purchase them very much. Because I know I just not, I'm not going to be able to get him to the table. So if he's like raving about a game, I'm like, oh, I don't have th- I don't have three hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, one of the other things uh, we we're we we're thinking about was learning the terminology. So that was yeah. something you threw out there. So what do you tell me? That's what that pretty means. important, I think, because so once you find a few games that you like and you've uh, mulled them over and played them a lot, learn the terminology of how to describe that game. Um, I think you can sort of make the uh, metaphor to music. Like, when you like a certain kind... Like, if you liked a certain kind of music, you know what types... You know what genres of music you like, right? Totally. You know what artists and you know what genres they belong to. You might even know what, like, obscure subgenres they belong to. It's no different from video games. Or from uh, board games and video games, but we're talking about board games here. Um, yeah, thank, let's keep it that way. <laughs> you, you should know, like, 
what the game what the primary game mechanics of the game that you really like are called it and know what aspects of the game that you like so that you can identify them in other games and you can talk about them with those people so if if you have um for instance a like a worker placement game that you really like you and but you didn't know that it was called worker placement how would you find other games like that so i think that's important is is learning more about the games you know you already like so that you can find more games like them and that go, and that goes back to board game geek and um you can search board game geek based on like the the game mechanic that's in it so go to board game geek and do the advanced search and like if if you know you like bluffing games you can like filter the whole results by bluffing games and then by rank too and so then, like the highly ranked games in that category to kind of see what people have have ranked the highest in that mechanic area exactly um you know when you make the uh, the music analogy that that's a really powerful one for me cuz i was this guy so like I'm super into weird 90s pop punk music, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I got super into Green Day, and, you know, I find out in an interview, Mike Durnt's wearing a Screeching Weasel t-shirt. So, like, I go and I find a Screeching Weasel cassette at the time, and then I find out that Mike Durnt, the bass player from Green Day, played on the the album How to Make Enemies and Irritate People. So I'm like, well, I gotta have this. It's the dude from Green Day, and he, he was wearing the t-shirt, so they must be important. So then I, like, look and find out that that's on Lookout Records, and then I come up, well, he's a Lookout band. So, so I gotta read the liner notes and figure out who they thanked in their liner notes. So, like, I gotta check out all those bands now. So, so f- similar to... to you know, this music thing for me, the way that I kind of dove into that pop punk scene is the same way that I dive into the games. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to find a game that I really like and I'm going to read, okay, who's the publisher and check out that publisher and look at the other stuff they have. I'm going to maybe look at the other designers they've worked with, or I'm going to look at, uh, like Andy said, the games of the similar, you know, mechanics or, um, you know, like you, you just poke around and, and, and kind of make those connections, you know, just mm-hmm. play this like, you know, six degrees of, Kevin Bacon or whatever with game designers <laughs> and 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 kind of you'll you'll get to places where you'll find stuff you like and you'll you'll kind of refine that as time goes by. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think to take our metaphor a little bit too far. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I've so when I really liked a band, I would go see a concert, and uh, there was always opening bands, and maybe they're at a festival, and there was like another stage with weird bands you never heard of before, and you end up like mingling with people and listening to new music. Well, and then it's not about the music anymore; it's just about the community, man. Yeah, so <laughs> I liken that to go go to a convention. Totally. If you've never been to a convention, you need to make it to a game convention because you will play. You play games 24-7 until you're bleary-eyed, and you will play games you've never heard of before with people you've never met before. You And just like, just, like, <laughs> just like you jokingly said, like it becomes about the community, but you'll also find a great... All these great games that you never knew existed. There's always like tons of uh, publishers and stuff there hawking their wares and selling you the new hotness that you've never heard of before with new releases and... Um, there's always inevitably some tiny publisher off in the corner selling some really cool thing that nobody knows about, and you're the first one to find them. And you take your obscure hipster games back and play them with your friends, and you act, you act like you've always known about this yeah. tiny. Little, oh, you've never heard of this game company before? Well, hmm. I liked it before. It was the Spillage Jar Water. <laughs> <laughs> I have the first printing. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, one of the other things you can do, um, this might sound, uh, 
you know, like a little uh, less less technologically awesome. But you could just go down to the local game store, see what they have on the shelf. See what people are playing. Talk to the dudes behind the counter. Talk to the customers who are playing games there. Yeah. And uh, peruse and here's, the shelves. Here's my tip. Feel Do the not weight. buy any magic cards. Because <laughs> then there's no coming. No, I'm just kidding. If magic's, magic's fine. But just be aware that when you get into that game, it's going to be really hard to get at our stupid little games over here. Yeah, it's sort of... <laughs> It's hard to just do one. Yeah, so this show is now going to be about Marvel Dice Masters. We're not going to talk about 20 minutes of Marvel Dice Masters. Uh, just kidding. I haven't played it yet, so we'll, we'll the, the jury's out on that one. Um, uh, so what's what's one more? Um, one is to find a... Go through your smallish game collection and find... See if there's two or more games that share the same publisher. Now, I find... There's certain publishers that I know if I purchase a game by that publisher, it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of my favorite publishers is Days of Wonder. They put out one game a year, and every time it's pretty darn good or amazing. So uh, they put out Small World and help me out here. Uh, the newest uh, one's Relic Runners. Ticket to Ride, my favorite game of Ticket all time. Ticket to Ride is awesome. Relic Runners is awesome. Uh, Mysteries of the Abbey, Mystery Express. Yeah. So find a publisher that you like and buy everything that they put out. And then you'll find some stinkers. But by then, like the more that you get out there, the more you're going to be able to refine this. You're going to play stuff before you buy it. Don't buy too many games before you've played them. That's a big tip. Um, but the more you get, the more you get out there the easier it is to discover the kind of games that, you know, you'll be able to recognize them a lot quicker, I think. Um, and, and, and like we said, you know, this, this thing is a big community. Uh, so the, the game that Andy, you're going to talk about, right? You, you came across because of this community of Twitter. Somebody recommended. So we started doing this podcast and we did a show about trick taking games. Yeah. And somebody mentioned, on, told me on Twitter, you've never have you ever played Chronicle? And I was, no, I've never played Chronicle. What's Chronicle? Chronicle is a trick-taking game by Senji Kanai, designer of Love Letter and Cheaty Mages. Yes, we we love this guy. Apparently, yeah, yeah we're fans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a deck of thirty-six cards. There's three suits and some wild cards. You in just like every trick-taking game, you somebody leads the trick and you have to follow their their lead and whoever has the highest card that was played wins the trick. Um, but there's a little twist. There's, there's more than we like twists. There's lots of twists in this This game game is all about twists. So every card has a special power. So one card makes the low card win this trick. One card lets you steal cards that people won in a trick and take them for yourself. One card like makes somebody else who played a card previously, pick it up and put it back in their hand um, and then <clears throat> some cards are evil. No, <laughs> no, not evil, evil cards. cards. Um, so if you have an evil card at the end of the turn, you can't score any points. So that's bad. So then there's there's another twist. There's evil cards. Uh, another twist is if you get all of the evil cards, which are all the ones, and then there's a wild card called the demon. If you get all of the evil cards, you score two points, and nobody else can score any points. One more major twist in the game is that there is a pile of cards that 
are in the center of the gameplay area and one one card per turn you flip over and that is the objective for the turn so one one round you might be trying to collect the most green cards the the next round you might be trying to collect the least red cards another round you might be trying to collect evil cards even though normally they're bad and now they're good so every round you're you're playing the cards in a different way there's only 36 cards so it's pretty easy to memorize well, plus the, the deck plus the 12 in the middle, so yeah, it's yeah. 48 cards. Okay, yeah. Here's some math. I did math today. Addition <laughs> barely counts. <laughs> uh, so that's Chronicle in a nutshell. It's my favorite trick-taking game I've ever played. What do you think, Jason? You know, we, we played kind of a dummy hand of it earlier. and, and I, Okay, so it looked overwhelming because there's a lot of text and a lot of icons on the cards, and there's 10 different powers, 3 different suits. So there's, it seems like there's a lot going on. And then there's this... This deck of you know kind of uh, what's the deck called the the, the fate Story cards or something like book, the yeah, score, something. scoring cards whatever it's the deck of twelve cards that tell you how to win yeah and um, it seems like it's going to be a lot but by the time you play one hand you kind of get it mm-hmm. and then you start to see that there's these really cool interactions so I I kind of joked that that this is a game that you could like help a trick taker take a, to the next step in hobby games right they mm-hmm. kind of or you could kind of get a Magic the Gathering player into exactly. because it's kind of all about the interactions of the cards, the way they work together for cool combos yeah. and and uh, it's crazy. We've played it. I played it with three and with three players. It's very it's a, it's a little bit thinky and slow, and you're playing a little bit of gotcha. And I played it with six and six. It's more of a party game, and it's really like a riotous, a bunch of riotous laughter going on, uh, and everywhere in between that I've played it, it's you know on that sliding scale that. It, so it's it's an amazing game and everyone should buy it. Sweet, sweet. So since so from the topic of talking about discovering games, I uh, I'm bringing to bring a recommendation for a game where you're digging into a lost temple, discovering treasure. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Ink and Gold, and uh, it's by one of my favorite designers. This is probably how I found this game. Is I read the name Alan Moon on the cover. Uh, it's also designed uh, his co-designer, and this is Bruno Fiduti. And then so, you were like, "Who's this Bruno Fiduti so guy?" Then I'm like, "I gotta check out Citadels." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, but Ink and Gold is put out by Eagle Griffin now, and it is a great pressure luck filler game. Um, the the idea is that everyone has a uh, your explorers that are exploring a temple, and you're all going into this temple, but there's these disasters that that, that might happen, and um, the, the the temple might collapse on you. So what happens is everybody has a, a go deeper into the tunnel card, or a go back to camp card. And they have a little cool tent. It's one of the coolest components in a cheap board game I've ever seen uh, where you store your treasures. And you flip a card from the from this treasure deck, and it shows maybe a 3 or a 12 or a 14. And you put these little you know gems out that equal that on that card. Um, and if you go deeper, you might be able to get more money, uh, more treasure. Um, if you leave, uh, you get to take the treasure. But if if you if you leave by yourself, you take all the treasure. If you leave with other people, you have to divide that treasure equally among the people that are there. And and the twist is that you keep going deeper and deeper, and there's these disasters. There's five different disasters: like a rock slide, a giant spider, a weird troll lady, monster, zombie thing. Um, and if one of them comes out, you're fine. But if it's match, if it's pair that that comes out, uh, th- that's when it collapses, and nobody gets anything if they're still in. So you, you, there's lots of table talk. It's a totally social game. Reading other players, are we going deeper? Are we leaving? Um, another thing in the game is these artifacts. Like the, the, if you're the only one to leave, and there's an artifact out, you get a, this bonus. But if you're 
leaving with other people. The artifact stays, so there might be more artifacts in the temple later. Um, really great, great pressure luck game. It's super simple to teach. My cards are super worn out because the youth group kids from my uh, one of my the churches I used to work at like love this game. Play this game with with family members, with with gamer friends. It's just a it's just a great game that's really easy to teach. Um, plays quick and is super engaging. Gives those big aha, those big moments of of laughter. Um, Ink and Gold is is a fantastic game. Um, go deeper or go home. <laughs> so that's that's what that one's all about. That's what this episode's all that's about. That's what it is all about. Go deeper or go home. Get, or or just play casual games too. Like you don't have to go crazy like us. But if you want to discover games now, you know how. <laughs> um thanks for tuning in to uh this episode. We appreciate you guys listening. Um we're twenty minutes of filler podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Jason Katarski. At Andy underscore Lennox. Awesome. And subscribe to us on iTunes and find out about more great podcasts at Dice Tower Network. Dot com. Thanks for uh, listening. Go play some great little games. Yeah.